From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. Happy Monday, folks, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. A Wonder Woman, the movie, brought in over $100 million this weekend. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but we also brought in our own little... Our own local Wonder Woman this morning, her name is Peggy Brown, and she's a promoter, manager, director, and a blues ambassador. And we'll talk with her about the Mississippi Blues Society and her company, Hit the Road Entertainment. Also, what's your idea of a Wonder Woman? Hey, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING or email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and that is Sharita's theme music from the movie Wonder Woman, which, by the way made over $100 million this weekend. An incredible fact is the highest grossing release a debut for a movie directed by a woman. That's okay. right. Yeah, so good Unseated stuff. Unseated the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey director Sam Taylor Johnson. So. Yeah, and I hate to say it, it's a lot better movie. So anyway, great movie. Way we'll, better. <laughs> yes, uh, for many different reasons. But anyway, it was a good movie. We'll talk about that. And also, too, we have Peggy Brown in the studio. She's promoter, manager, director, and blues ambassador, and it's good. I haven't seen her in a while. It's good to have her back in the studio, so we'll talk to her in a few minutes as well. Sharita, you did go see Wonder Woman. I um, did. And I expected you to pop up on the screen because, you know, when you're in your own way, you're, you're a Wonder <laughs> Woman. You know, you got that going. Yeah, when I saw the trailer a while ago, I'd just been counting down until it happened. I went to the movies all by myself. Well, I didn't have time to ask folks to get ready. I got my tickets online. I saw it in XD. I paid a ridiculous Fourteen, fifteen dollars just for my ticket. I mean, wow, yeah, it's crazy. XD, and then there was a convenience fee online, so I was like, it better be good. I'm paying fifteen dollars to get. It's in like the you movie. went to a Broadway show. Yeah, I mean, really, that's incredible. Really. Now, did you see Batman versus Superman? No. Okay, it I was. Did not. It was real, well, yes, I did because was, she did an appearance. Yeah, didn't she? she did. She was. Yeah, like, she right. was in it for like five minutes mm-hmm. and was the best part of that whole movie. That's right. It was a very powerful moment. Yeah. I remember it because oh, it was awesome. because to me the movie was pretty boring before was, she came out. It was just dreadful. I yeah. mean, it was. A, I mean, it was. A, I mean, dreadful in the fact it was dreary and, and glum and everything. She comes in, that theme music that you just heard cranks mm-hmm. up. It like, yeah. Yep, I'm just going to play it all throughout the show for no we reason. All, we all need that kind of theme music, you know? I mean, you're, you're walking down the aisle in the grocery store, and all suddenly that theme music comes on, and you cut somebody off, and you grab that last loaf of bread. I mean, <laughs> that would be awesome to have that. Right. Uh, it was great. I went yesterday, mm-hmm. and my wife didn't want to go see it. Why not? Well, because I made the unfortunate comment going, wow, she's really pretty. She is. She's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, no, my wife's Were you gorgeous even paying too. attention to the movie at yeah, all? You know, believe it or not, I got past her looks. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was worried that I would just, oh, well, just a pretty woman. I'm just going to stay. No, she was awesome. She, was, she actually was a very, she, her acting was very good in it. Yeah, you I know, thought. She was in Fast and Furious. and I, She was okay in those movies. 
you know, I had to go look up some of the other movies she had been in because my first introduction to her was in the Batman Superman movie. Yeah. And I thought she did really good. A friend of mine said, you know, well, she played naive very well. Yeah. I, I honestly was kind of confused about what I was supposed to feel in the movie because it felt really jocular. It didn't feel serious. I mean, some of the other superhero movies feel serious when they're about to do something really action-packed. But it, this movie wasn't like that. It was really light and fluffy and airy. And I guess that's how it was, it was supposed to be. But it kind of worked in kind of an Indiana Jones kind of way. Mm-hmm. There, was yes. that, there was that Very adventure. True. There was humor. There was fun. And the palette, particularly when they're on the invisible island, mm-hmm. it was bright and sunny. And, you know, the characters were really good. I love there's the, the guy with the fez. And I can't remember character names because... Frankly, I can't remember my name most days. <laughs> but they were describing the island where they lived, and they said, oh, yeah, it's an island just full of only women. And he's like, when can we go? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's like, I have to admit, probably every man in that theater is thinking, yes, I want to be, be Chris Pine. I want to crash my plane in the water and have Wonder Woman save me. Yeah. Chris Pine was good in it, too. He was good. Yeah. He was very convincing. Uh, oh, yeah. I enjoyed him very much. Uh, I think it was witty. It was kind of corny, but it was witty. It made me smile, and I, I really did enjoy it. And I, I actually felt empowered in leaving the movie. I could see that. I really do. I, I didn't mean, expect that. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't expect it. My thought was, and, and I texted uh, Amy when I got out of the movie theater saying, because I'd missed, the first show was sold out on mm-hmm. Sunday. I was surprised at 1230. It was sold out. So I had to go to the one o'clock and I told her, I said, look, I'm going to be late. And I texted her when I got done because she wanted me to pick up the groceries, of course. And <laughs> I texted her and I said, you would have really liked the movie. And she went, what? And I said, yeah. And if we had a daughter, I would bring her to the movie mm-hmm. because I think that would be really good for like, a, you know, a 13, 14 year old girl to see that. Yeah. So, I mean, stuff. some of the action scenes were were really good when it was, you know, the women against the men. And oh, yeah. I mean, uh, they didn't have, you know, the women didn't have guns. And, and that said something to me. I think that was probably a thing in, in and of itself that they didn't have guns. But it was just empowering. Like, I, I really do want to go buy a shield now. So now you, you don't do. have one? No. You don't have a God killer sword? No, I don't. I I really I want to buy one now. And I'm going to be Wonder Woman for Halloween. Like, I'm so excited. You already got the gold bracelets on. I see that. Yeah, yeah. And if I make a mistake, you're going to cross them and blow me You're going to block. Yeah. Could be very handy. Yeah, yeah. But it was good. It It was was very good. Good stuff. I would give it out of five. I'd give it four and a half, maybe maybe a little bit higher out of five stars. I think that was uh, that good. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from folks. If, if you've already seen the movie Wonder Woman this past weekend, what did you think about it? 877-MPB-RING. We'd love to hear from you. I'm just excited and I want to discuss it. And, you know, uh, I saw a story on NPR uh, in Austin, Texas. There was a little situation. Oh, about where they had the female-only screenings. Yeah, yeah. And apparently some guys were not very happy about that because this movie is kind of being pushed as a, a feminist movie. And I don't know. I mean, uh, okay. Here's where this is where it would have bothered me if they weren't ever going to let any men go see that movie. Then yeah, <laughs> maybe I would have gotten a little mad. But if they have a screening with only women, fine. Go to the next screening. It's not a big deal. And there were women. There were men in the movie, uh, very well represented. Uh, the co-star was a man. I mean, you know, it's mm. not a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal. A better, <laughs> what does it matter? Yeah. What does it matter who's in the screening watching the movie together? What does that matter? Because it's not like anybody on the screen's going to notice. <laughs> Have you ever been in a movie at the end when people applaud? Mm-hmm. It's like all the time. Yeah, you're thinking, okay, who's getting that? Is the guy running the camera in the back? Is he like going, oh, thank you, thank you. It was the best time I've ever turned on a. Well, one projector. of the co-stars could be secretly in the theater. You never know. And it's just emotional. Sometimes you can't control your emotions. You you cheer when the bad guy is overcome. So oh, that is oh, those you know when people are sitting there yelling at the screen. Watch yeah, out! Watch th- out! Don't like, like that. No, that's um. <laughs> 
<sighs> I'm a little bit worried about that. But anyway. There were several babies in my theater, and I thought that was interesting. We had that during um, Guardians of the Galaxy, too. Somebody uh-huh. brought their baby. I mean, I, I, look, I got three kids, and literally Amy and I did not get to go on a date because none of our family lives in town forever. It would cost us more to go to a movie than it would to go out and like do a Broadway show because by the time you pay a sitter and they get rushed back. So, I mean, yeah, I can see sneaking them in there. But this kid howled the whole time. I'm like, take him to the hospital. Something's <laughs> seriously wrong. Yeah, you can't afford a babysitter and a movie ticket. Like, it's going to be either or. You oh, can't no. do no, both I understand. in the same um, night. <laughs> no, and there's this great thing called DVDs, and, and now you can stream stuff on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Ah, so, you know. I thought it was interesting in my theater. I went to Tinseltown, and we had assigned seats. And I never... Assigned seats? Yeah, we had assigned seats. And like I said, it was just me. So I knew I was supposed to be in G13. And when I got there, somebody was in my seat. So I sat somewhere else. And then all the people were coming late because they're thinking, I have an assigned seat. I can come late. And some people ended up having to sit at the very front right in front of the screen oh, and i'm like this assigned seat thing is not gonna work because some people literally were just not getting up i knew i was in the wrong seat but nobody came to me and said you're in my seat but you know they kept bringing the attendants like hey this is my seat and i'm like what where, why do they do assigned seating at the movie theater that's crazy because what if people don't show up you yeah, know folks were extremely like late the movie has started and then you have to argue about this is my seat so I felt sorry for some of those folks who... I mean, I've seen nearly fistfights break out on airplanes. I can't imagine a movie theater. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. And sitting on the front row. You ever done that before? Because I thought it was cool when I was a kid. No, I mean, you might not. as well give me an empty popcorn bu- bucket because I'm going to barf at some point. Yeah, it's bad. I have to stare and look up the whole time. Yeah, I tried it Although, once. Never again. getting that much closer to Wonder Woman? That would be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry, Amy. I know you're listening to the show. But I apologize. <laughs> oh, there goes the couch for me. No, it was, it was good. It was a fun... You know, two and two and a half hours. And it was one, It was like Guardians in the same way that you didn't really notice the time. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I didn't. And that was good. Right. So that was very, very good. Um, speaking of superheroes last night, the Warriors. Um, Woo. It, I, That's my team. My bandwagoner. I'm not. Now, I've been no, a Warriors fan since not, Monte Ellis was playing. No, no. What? Okay, okay. <laughs> because I'll, he's from Mississippi. Okay, I get that. All right. So I'll, now I'll, let I'll me let be honest. On that one, but. I'll be honest. The Warriors have not always been my only favorite uh-huh, team. But they hurt this time. Because I also used to root for Mo Williams back when uh, LeBron was with the Cavs the first time. Right. So honestly, I'm a Mississippi person. So I used to vote. I used to, to to root for the Warriors when Monte Ellis played for the Warriors. I used to root for the Cavs when Mo Williams played for the. Cavs. Cavs, but that's not the case anymore, and I'm not a LeBron fan, so I'm rooting for the Warriors. But, you know, I mean, last year LeBron single-handedly won that championship. I mean, it seemed and like he tried he, to do that last night. And he's trying to do it last night, but the difference is now Kevin Durant. Absolutely. Because, you know, if Steph Curry's having a bad time like he did last you know, last year, mm-hmm. he did for the first half. I mean, he was turning it over and, and fumbling and bumbling, yeah. and you know what? It didn't matter because there was enough There was enough. Arrows yeah. in the in the quiver to because they much, had the the Warriors oof. had enough turnover they had enough turnovers to lose that game. Oh my gosh, it was I incredible! Mean, they had over twenty turnovers in the first game. They only had four, and they had like twelve in the first half yesterday. And so I'm thinking these turnovers are going to kill them, but it didn't because uh, Kevin Durant is stepping up. Curry had eight of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was all yeah. the place, and then he halftime he settled down. He caught him fire. There was one time in the third, I think it was in the third quarter, where he was dribbling and he went around. 
LeBron. I <laughs> it mean, was just, so funny. It really was because he's not that tall. So I mean, you got you can look it looked like my kid going around me. Making That's me exactly look, what it was. It like a really little did. kid just bouncing the ball, and LeBron is just aimlessly following him, and then boom, layup. But last year. You know, LeBron would have blocked that shot. So that's why Curry was so excited because last year LeBron blocked that shot oh, once he got past. Yeah, yeah, the very end. Which and costs, the, pretty much costs the, him the, the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the big difference on that. And Steve Kerr was back on the bench after being ill for multiple games. So that was a very powerful moment for the, the entire arena. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. cool. And boy, the place, could you imagine how electric it would be to be in that? I couldn't imagine. Now, the question is this, and, and you've seen this before, you know, they have, they've had a couple blowout wins. They're going to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Do you think Cleveland's going to step it up? Of course, you've got the home crowd now in your in your favor. And that makes a huge difference. I do not anticipate that the Warriors are going to get blown out. I'm t- anticipating that this is going to be a really close game in Cleveland. I think so, because too. Because the Warriors have a lot of momentum, so I don't think they're just going to just gonna buckle uh, because they, they would love to get this 3-0 lead. And, I mean, I'm not getting excited because last year they blew a 3-1 to one lead. Right. Um, but I think that the Cavs are definitely going to feed off of their crowd energy because, it, you know, the Cavaliers – did you see the the whole Cavs arena was full because they were watching it in Cleveland. They were I watching know. the team in Cleveland. They so. all went in to sit in an to watch TV. It was a full arena as if there was an actual game there. So I'm expecting the Warriors to be competitive. I am. But, you know, I'm expecting the Cavs to, to take advantage of being at home. And that's what you're so. supposed to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. This whole this whole season, though, and I, I've heard a lot of people throw around going, wait a minute, is NBA as real as wrestling? Because the way <laughs> both of them just blew through to get to the finals. It was yeah. amazing. It was almost like it was like a beginning of the year. Well, we might as well just get this set up. Well, you know, it's not as competitive. I don't feel like the league is as competitive. It seems like a weaker league they're calling all these different crazy files that just were not present when Michael Jordan was playing. Well, so. see, okay, we're going to touch on that for two seconds here because <laughs> my 14-year-old and I have had this discussion. It's almost like, well, is your music better or my music better? Luckily, on that front, he likes my music, so okay. we don't have that argument. But, you know, the LeBron versus Michael Jordan question. It's ridiculous to I me. I mean, well, LeBron's fantastic. I'm not going to throw any shade on the guy whatsoever. Um, but Michael Jordan played in an era with... There was really a lot of talent running around. And you know what? He left. Bulls didn't win. Right. He came back. The Bulls won. Yeah. I mean, he just was incredible. But I that, mean, and some but, people can make that argument for the Cavs. You know, LeBron left and he came back and they got a championship. But right. as I've said, the, the league is just different as far as toughness. You know, LeBron has not had to see literally minimum competition in the East. I mean, to pretty much go through the Eastern Eastern Conference Finals having only lost one game, that's a testament to how uh, how not competitive that, that, that particular uh, the Eastern Conference is. And also, LeBron and Michael Jordan have different styles. Yeah. I mean, to me, LeBron is a better comparison to somebody like Magic Johnson. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. But when you think of somebody who can close a game... Honestly, if you are a Cavs fan, you want the ball in Kyrie Irving's hand. He's the closer, right. not LeBron. You never know LeBron's shot is going to go in or not. He's much better driving to the hole. And when Michael shot, you knew it was going in. And the thing about Michael is Michael, you know, when he was early on, he could defy gravity and fly and all that stuff. Right. He adjusted his game at the very end. And he was like the point where he became a really good, you know, he could set up, pivot, shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and he cha- totally changed his game as he got older, and I thought that was an incredible adjustment on his part. But statistically, LeBron is amazing. Oh my I mean, gosh, he yeah. matched. I think he matched Magic Johnson's record yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's an outstanding player, but I don't think the, the comparison to Michael Jordan is fair. Well, and I mean, you know, if, if my dad was still alive, he could throw out some names at me, too, from, mm-hmm. from Bill Russell and from all that point from when he watched it. So, you know, go figure. Right. We all, we all tend to gravitate 
from the basketball that we grew up with. Yeah. Or football or anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, my kids will be able to say, well, so, you know, Drew Brees, fantastic quarterback and everything. I can say, well, you know, I got to watch Peyton Manning play and I got right. to watch, you know, right. Brett Favre and so forth. So that's really big important. Hey, speaking of an incredible comeback, Mississippi State just doubled. They were like. Talk about back against the wall in college baseball. You know, they're in the playoffs right now. Oh, fill me in on it. Yeah, they were down um, and ended up winning last night, seven to three. And now we're going to be playing Southern Miss today at one. Uh, so, and they have to beat Southern Miss twice mm-hmm. to be able to move on. So, oh. it, and if they do win the first game, I think the second game's tonight at six o'clock. But yeah, they had their back against the wall. Mississippi State did, and boom! Wow, they're Good. still in there. Way to come college there. baseball. You know, of all the places I've lived. I've never seen a passion for college baseball like here in Mississippi. Mm, that's good. incredible. And, yeah. you know, because when I was in college, we would go to go see the college baseball game, and they played with aluminum bats. Mm-hmm. And I never could get used to, dink. I like a crack. <laughs> I like crack of the bat, you know, the dink. But, right. But, oh, yeah, that's different. But I tell you what, you go to a, you go to any, you go to the college, you go to Ole Miss, you go up to state, and you sit in the stands, it's like a party. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a lot of fun. So That's anyway, good. I love it. The fact that our folks are in the playoffs and, and I'm like Switzerland, you know, I'm kind of neutral toward teams. I like Mississippi mm-hmm. teams to win. Yeah. But when they're playing against each other, I always kind of pull for the underdog. That's how that works. Well, yeah, that's fair. So. That's fair. And uh, just to follow up, LeBron is really amazing off the court. Just wanted to say that he's sending kids to, to, to school, scholarships, starting a school. I mean, he dealt right. with, with a, uh, an extreme form of racism the other day oh, and addressed it in the media. Yeah. So uh, many people also make the comparison to LeBron and Michael on and off the court. And many feel that <laughs> yeah, LeBron is probably got a, that one. He's not on the golf course gambling. So right. there, there's that one. But, you know, what happened to Michael with his dad? I yeah, mean, that, that was tough. That was terrible. Uh, oh, yeah, LeBron also rescues kittens out of trees. Oh, does he now? <laughs> yeah. He's not Wonder Woman, though. No, he's not. But we so, have a Wonder Woman in studio. We do. We got Peggy Brown in the studio. We're going to talk to her, and I think she's got a great... So it's good to see her again, too. I mean, she's Back in the old days when I did another radio show, she used to come in a lot, so it's always good to see her. <laughs> anyway, a little bit of Wonder Woman music. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Your host, Marshall Ramsey. On a kind of drizzly Monday, I hope you're... Keeping dry. But anyway, thanks for listening. And we have got a call from the scene in Hattiesburg. We got Wilbur is on talking a little bit about baseball. Hello, Wilbur. Welcome to the show. Yo. Uh, yeah, I just want to, I wanted to say it was a little telling that you mentioned State and didn't mention Southern, who hasn't lost any games and hosted the tournaments. Uh, you're seeing a con- you're seeing a conspiracy that is not there, my friend. I just mentioned that you know. I just uh, everybody likes an underdog, but no, we're really proud of state. I, I mean, Southern too, and it's good to see them doing well. Well, you know, it's just saying we we, uh, we I think as being being the uh, the the golden buzzard, sometimes we get uh, we get left out a little bit of the state coverage. But I just did want to mention that we haven't lost any in the tournament. Y'all have had an incredible yeah, season so far, fifty wins. So you yeah. just saying. No, you've had incredible. I mean, you know, we're pulling for it. That's a tough thing. It's always fun to pull for the underdog, but you know, y'all have had an incredible season. So we'll see what happens today at one o'clock. Appreciate the call, Wilbur. All right. 
<sighs> I guess I need to take off my maroon jersey now. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have, I have a jacket on. I'm just... All right. <laughs> we do have a question of the day. It's very simple. What do you consider to be a Wonder Woman? And uh, we'd love to hear from you. The number's a eight, mother. 877-672-7464. No kidding. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Mothers, I'm, one, one, mothers are Wonder Women. I'm not just sucking up to my wife. Um, she's Wonder Woman. Bottom, you know the old commercial. You know, I bring home the bacon and I fry it up in the pan. I, you probably don't remember that. That was like the seventies. Uh, <laughs> but not. I mean, I don't know if Amy can throw a punch, but I have seen her put a hole in the wall. So oh. she, she does have strength. All right. So I do know that. So that should be interesting, folks. What but, is but your? That, that was an accident. Um, <laughs> what is your definition of a Wonder Woman? Eight seven seven MPB ring. Eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'd love to hear from. But you. you know, when I married her, when I started dating her, I realized, you know, I saw something in her. I knew that she could, you know, pretty much do about anything she put her mind to. And she's a teacher, and she could teach a penguin to fly. She's that good. Mm. Uh, but I've I've seen her deal with our boys and deal with a lot of crisis and deal with me and everything else and she's pretty level-headed she's 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 amazing she really is so yeah if i had to do the wonder woman i'd do my wife although if i bought the costume for her i think i'd be on the couch for the rest of my life (laughs) i tell you what i'd like if seriously of all the gadgets that wonder woman has what which one golden lasso oh yeah would that not be fun (laughs) <laughs> it looks like it hurts. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, seriously, somebody you thinks lying to you, just get the lasso out, hit them, you know, tie them up. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Go. So I've I've got a friend who's a therapist, and I said, man, you need that for your business. <laughs> that would be awesome. You got a you got a client on the couch, you just wrap them up in the golden lasso, and quit lying to me. We well, could probably uh, use it in the White House too these days. Uh, it probably would catch fire and burn. <laughs> so, but anyway, hey, okay, did you see the t- the picture over the weekend of the dude mowing his grass mm-hmm. with the tornado in the background? No, well, I saw it because you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. was that not amazing? Yeah. I oh, wait, that, that was guy. real? I thought that it was, was a cartoon. Real. That was not a cartoon or Whoa. Photoshop. That was up in, I think, Alberta, Canada. Whoa, I so thought the, that was a cartoon. So the guy is pushing. He's literally doing his to-do list, pushing, just mowing the grass, and there's like a huge tornado right behind him. But, you know, his wife took the picture. So that just, so it must not have been making any noise. Well, was, he knew it was there. Oh. He said, oh, I was watching it. Oh. I'm like, What? <laughs> It was insane, but I thought that was the perfect metaphor for this year. Yeah. You know, we're all sitting there doing our business while this tornado's right in the background. You know, no big deal. Yeah, so, that's funny. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> all right. Uh, Peggy's like been doing the Wonder Woman, you know, doing the crossing her fists at me here. So I'm just trying to block bullets or bad jokes or whatever is coming this way. Peggy Brown's here, and I tell you... um, Peggy, it's good to see you again. Thank you. So Thank what are you, you. up to? Because I, I always think about ambassadors of the blues, and I think of ambassadors of music, and you're usually one of the first people that comes to mind. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm stuck in it, for sure. And you can't yeah. get away from it, can you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's me. Yeah. It's, it, well, in kind of background, back in the day, I would do a show, and every Friday I'd usually have a blues musician come in or a musician, and you would come in and bring them in, and we get to, to catch up and talk a little bit. And it was always so much fun to do that. And so you have done, I mean, like I said, you've probably done as much as anybody to promote blues in the... So what are you doing now? Um, which hat am I wearing today? Rain hat, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm sitting in the studio with you, Marshall. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm still I'm still promoting the blues and promoting Mississippi music. Um, I'm the director of the Mississippi Musicians Hall of Fame, so that organization is about more than just the genre of blues. So right. it's about 
um, the wonderful music heritage that we've given to the whole world. And we are the author of the slogan, Mississippi Birthplace of America's Music. And so, which in, is on our license plate, which is on our license plate on the welcome signs coming into the state of Mississippi. So, with that hat, I'm doing all genres of music. My heart really is attracted to blues and R and B. And so, when I started my um, company, Hit the Road Entertainment, those were the artists that I predominantly uh, wanted to promote and work with, and still is much that way, although we're getting some other people on our roster that aren't. But then I'm in the Central Mississippi Blues Society, and that's what that's about. So um, that's that's just where my heart is, is well, with blues R&B musicians. Well, let's talk a little bit about the state of the blues right now and, and kind of a report card where it's at. Because, you know, we King Edward was going to be on the show today, but right. he could not be. He's He got in late from a gig last night. He's 80 years old. 80 years and old. He's just still, had his 80th birthday. Yeah, he's still out there. He's still making it happen. Yes, he is. The guy's incredible. That generation of blues players, though, the original, really, honestly, the kind of the founding class, they're all they're kind of, they're starting to die out now. Right. Um, he is one of that elder class yeah. now. Um, buddy Guy, Bobby Rush. Oh, Bobby Rush is incredible. Mm, and he, King Edward. They're all in the same age bracket. Yeah. And um, amazingly, they're all three from originally from Louisiana. What's that about? No kidding. Uh-huh, really. That's just a little sidebar there. But, but yes, um, the state of the blues now, uh, there are many artists who have come up and who are trying to take the torch away from yeah. the older guys. And that's to be understood. And I've heard a lot of people say that the blues is uh, dying out. But no, in Mississippi alone, we have this wonderful class of younger musicians who are coming along. It's a little bit different than the blues that King Edward plays or the blues that Bobby Rush plays. But it has to be different. It has to morph to attract the younger set. So we've got a whole class of younger musicians now that are keeping it going. And as well as other states, but it's, of course, my thought that the best blues is from Mississippi. Well, I was going to ask that because you said, well, they're from Louisiana, but they ended up here. Yes, they did. They all so, ended up here. So is yeah. it, why is that? I mean, why we seem to attract and we, we home grow a lot of really good musicians, but mm-hmm. a lot of people still choose to come here. And I mean, you know, I remember a great story. A friend of mine was up in um, Clarksdale and he was at a convenience store and there was a guy with long blonde hair at the register, and there were two guys behind him that were kind of heckling him a little bit because of his long blonde hair. And the guy turned around and walked out, and it was it was Robert Plant. And you Whoops. know, of course, the guys were probably listening to Led Zeppelin four in the you know in, in right. their truck. Right. And, but it's like we you look at the if you go to any museum, any of the museums up in the Delta, and you look at the at the book, there are people from Western Europe. But I mean, we right. we attract people. We attract people a lot, and I, I think the attraction for them is they want to come back to where it started. Yeah, They want to see these places that they've heard about that were mentioned in Robert Johnson's songs or whoever else has recorded songs mentioning all the places in Mississippi. And so on Monday nights, our Blue Society does Blue Monday, and during this time of the year, we have so many tourists from other countries. Yeah. And they want to come and see the real stuff. And so, of course, on Monday night, that's live blues. Then they leave here and they're going either to Clarksdale or to New Orleans. Um, so um, it's the enamor of coming to the state of Mississippi where it started. And as we have just talked about, 
several of these mus- musicians are from Louisiana, but Mississippi is known to be the birthplace. Imagine that. And so international tourists, people from all over the United States, come here because they just want to see what made this happen. And now that's another whole question indeed, what made this happen? Yeah, talk about that a little bit, because you know, my, my son's learning to play the guitar, and so I took him up to Indianola to the B.B. King Museum so that he could learn a little bit about B.B.'s life and understand what how he... It's a wonderful museum. You know, here's, here he is sitting in the dark in this shack behind the house learning to play the guitar. Right. And he was scared of the dark for the rest of his life. But you, know, you, you understand that literally that the blues was the rose on the thorn. Right. Thorn right. bush. I think... Well, uh, there's been a discussion. Is it in the soil? Is it in the water? Is it in the air in Mississippi? And I've even had people tell me from other places, they drive into Mississippi, and it's almost like this spirit, this feeling that they feel once they've passed across the state line. That's because they can't find a rest area. That's because they can't find a rest area. Or because of all the fast food places. I don't know. I've heard that as well. But um, I think part of it, and this is just my own perception, I've heard this from somebody else, though, as well, that a lot of what happened here was the spoken word that was passed on. We didn't have um, a lot of industry. We didn't have a lot of this. And and there weren't a lot of things for people to do when they were growing up. And so the spoken word, sitting on the porch, listening to the stories, and that's what blues is about. It's always telling a story. It's telling a story whether it's good, somebody had fortune, somebody had misfortune, somebody's baby left them, or somebody's having a baby, didn't mean to. Just whatever all that is, that it was it was passed down as kind of um, spoken tradition, spoken word. And um, we didn't necessarily have a lot of education in the past, so there wasn't maybe a lot of written word. But it was passed on in stories. I think that's part of it. I mean, I think that's part of why we have such a a literary history as well. Right. Now for the people that did learn to write and then wrote down those stories. And then um, photography. I mean, people that take pictures of these people who sing these pictures. You know, it all just kind of goes together, I think. That's... That's my own little opinion. One of my joys recently was interviewing Bill Ferris for the television show yeah. that I do. And him just talking about, you know, walking, going from juke joint to juke joint and, and being able to chronicle and tell the stories. And you, when you hear him talk, you understand a little bit better how, you know, we became the birthplace. Because all these different, it's almost like gumbo. Right. I mean, everything kind of got mixed together right. here in Mississippi and created new forms. Right. Um, you go into the... Um, Bluefront Cafe in yeah. Bentonia. And, you know, I I know all these people and all these musicians and stuff, but still I walk in there and it's just like, wow, there's such a an interesting feeling in there. Or to go down to the Queen of Hearts downtown here in Jackson, which is really one of our Jackson joke joints that yeah. not a lot of people go to. And there's just this unusual feeling. I, I can't explain it. It's like, who all was there before me? It's like, some part of the spirit still is there, you know? You know, it's it, you talk about King Edward early. He's yeah. on three of the signs, three of the blues markers. Yes, three of the blues trail markers on the state of Mississippi blues trail. All here in Jackson. All here in Jackson. So, That's Peggy, right. I have a couple questions. Yeah, sure. um, so, one, you know, King Edward being 80 years old, I guess his legacy has already been established. So, why do you think he still wants to be out there on the road? Do you think it's a want? Is it, is it a necessity? Or what do you think about that? Um, it's 
partial necessity, but it's definitely a want. The desire to be there is more than anything else because he has lived the blues. He's not just a startup band that goes, oh, I want to listen to these blues songs and start playing the blues. No, he's lived it. He, I mean, you can basically say he is the blues. Mm. Um, just for the things that he encountered back in the day when he played um, gigs in Louisiana, Texas, and the band could not get off the stage because they were playing in a, a, a white club. They couldn't get off the stage. They had to stay there when they quit. If they went, they need to go to the bathroom. Somebody would take them outside to go to the bathroom. It was that kind of thing, but he persisted and kept doing it because the music was in him. And um, he's a relative of Clifton Chenier, so he grew up in Louisiana doing the Zydeco stuff. And, and then he took a turn doing jazz when he went to Portland, Oregon. Uh, I would love to have seen that. I was going to ask how he got to Portland. Yeah, he, he had a relative in Portland. Okay. And so they said, come up here. Um, you know, this is a good place to be. So he went up there and, and he played in a blues band. And then he had a relative, his brother, in Chicago and said, man, you need to come to Chicago. This is where it's happening. So he went to Chicago and then got totally immersed in the blues and sometimes they would play like three gigs a night in chicago they'd finish one up at one and they'd go you know to the next i don't know how many blocks away play another club that's what he's done until now he can't play three gigs in one night but he'd probably want to but that's his life he's just he he is a blues man and it's and when you watch him play not a lot of people, I think, knows this, but when I, wa- when I watch him play, sometimes he's like mouthing his chords. And you can hear him, mm-hmm. if the music's turned down, you can hear him doing his chords with his mouth. And he just can't help it. It's it's in him. It's, um, it's who he is. So that's why he persists. He's got some... Um, a few health issues now that are making him be a little gimped up, but he's we're fighting through those and, and repairing it and working on it because he, he just wants to keep playing. I think when you get truly passionate about your art, yes. and, and I think you end up, I call it the Bear Bryant syndrome because Bear Bryant quit coaching and died the next day. Yeah. I think it's one of those things when you are playing yeah. that long and you're that passionate about what you're doing, I think if he yeah. ever stopped, it probably would be the end of him. Just, it, it, I think it would be as well. So he, he can't help it. He's just got to do it. It is his passion. We're talking with the incredible Peggy Brown and we're going to take a quick break. And of course, the question is this, what do you consider to be a Wonder Woman? Peggy's a Wonder Woman. We know that Sharita is too because um, I'm not going to make Sharita mad. You know that. And you can give us a call at 877- <laughs> 672 This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. That's King Edward. Oh, yeah, that's him. That is King Edward. Ah, oh, that's awesome. I could listen to that all day long, on, especially on a rainy blue Monday, to say the least. No, we don't want to... <laughs> blue Monday. I see what you did there. I'm good, aren't I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got Peggy Brown in the studio. Of course, um, you know, it's King Edward came out with a studio um, studio album in 2015. He hadn't done one like in years, like 15 years. That's right. That had to be really a cool experience for him. It was a really cool experience. We went to Nashville to do that. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, a producer from California wanted to do an album on him. So we went up to Nashville and recorded it. And it was just at the Castle Studios, which has yeah, uh, it's got quite a history of uh, rock legends and everybody who recorded at Castle. So that's where we were. So it was like King of the Castle. What was was his reaction to it? He had to be like a kid in a candy shop. He was, and um, and he played with three guys that he'd never met before. So we just drove up there. The producer had the the artist picked out to. Um, now I, my question is this: How had he never played with them before? Because he's pretty much played with everybody. Well, these were guys. From, <laughs> I mean, looking at the list of all the people that he's played with. Oh uh, no, these were guys from Nashville, Tennessee, and um, he'd not played with them, and. Uh, so it was quite interesting to watch because being the professional that he is, yeah. um, and the producer just said, I want you to play your music just like you do. And these guys, of course, were studio professionals. They got in right behind him. And O'Teal Burbridge was the bass player. Yeah. Oh, my word. Um He's played with everybody in the world, and he was doing some funky bass playing. And uh, that was just what King Edward needed. And when when we took a break, he goes, man, that boy really knew how to play my stuff. I said, oh, no, <laughs> he's supposed to. <laughs> that's, that's what we're paying him for. That's what they're paying him for. So it was quite an experience. We did the whole album in two days. Wow. And uh, King Edward has two originals on that 50 Years of Blues. And, it, and we named it that because... Well, by now, he's been playing longer than 50 years. But, um, yeah. The whole album is good. Yeah. I think Thank I got you. it at Blue Monday. Uh, he's, I got a couple of them. And, you know, some albums have lulls in them where there are songs you want to skip past. Yeah. And it's just not the case with this album. I mean, I was able to go on road trips and just ride and enjoy and take in all the feels that you get when you hear the blues. So it's just an amazing album. Awesome. Thank you for saying that. And there's one song toward the end, and I'm, and I'm not looking at it. I can't remember the name. It's a country music song they did. And it's quite lengthy on the album, but the rest of them, right, the rest of them will just keep you going from one to the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a yeah. call to get to, Marshall. Dr. Oh, Edgar Smith is on. Hello, Dr. Smith. Hey, good to hear from you. What's your what's on your mind? Hi there. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Hi, Peggy. Hey, Dr. Smith. I, I love this guy. Well, <laughs> I'm just calling because I, I'm really enjoying your program, but that's one aspect of the blues that I think we should focus on also, and that is the 
uh, dire financial straits that many of these physicians, uh, I'm not physicians, <laughs> musicians find themselves in at a certain stage in their life. So it's, it's, yeah. When they reach that, that stage. And uh, Peggy, I thought you might want to put in a plug for what we're doing with the Benevolent Fund to try to help these musicians. Oh, I'll be happy to do that, Dr. Smith. Thank That's you. That's a great, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's the Mississippi Blues Commission. Then has the, the Blues Foundation. Right, I was getting that. Has the Mississippi Blues Foundation. And they have a Benevolent Fund, which uh, has to, has, um, helped several musicians that I know personally, and I won't mention all their names, but with some um, serious issues. And uh, it's not been just health issues, but um, some cost of living problems as well. And so um, there's an application online that one can fill out and send in, and um, it goes to the committee. And um, it it has just been a lifesaver for several of the musicians that I personally work with. And uh, Dr. Smith is in charge of that benevolent fund. He's over it. I'm not sure that in charge of it is the proper word, but, well, yeah, see, basically he is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and what we're trying to do is provide some assistance to these musicians who have really made a contribution to the music and to the culture and to re- Mississippi's rediscovery of the blues. But the state itself, in my mind, and I'll say this, uh, has not really been responsive to the needs of these musicians. So the Benevolent Fund was was developed just to uh, address that issue. And mm-hmm. as Peggy said, we have been very successful, I think. We always need some more money, but we're trying to help these musicians as best we can to meet their financial needs, whether it's burying them or paying medical mm-hmm. expenses or what have you. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to believe that anybody who would give us such a precious gift would be struggling. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, and, and of course, a lot of the, the British musicians that would listen to the blues on BBC when they were growing up and then they took it and rewrote it and, and became famous for it. I remember, you know, like B.B. King, you know, he was doing pretty well on, on, on the Chitlin circuit and going around. But then suddenly he's opening up for Rolling Stones. And, you know, I mean, that that helped raise a lot of these guys up to prominence, but still, they just, a lot of them don't have much money. Mm-hmm. A lot of Mississippi musicians are exactly as Dr. Smith is describing, yeah. uh, don't have money to pay burial expenses, right. um, often don't have money to pay their water bill, um, and certainly when medical things come Not to up, say, as we get older, even right. as we know, it gets, and if you don't have health insurance, that gets to be they tough. They haven't paid enough money into the system to have Social Security, and yeah. so... It's just um, they're in dire straits, some of them, and Dr. Smith is so wonderful about heading up that fund, and um, I thank you. I think of it's a way of just saying thank you. Yeah, right. Just writing a thank you check. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you, Dr. Smith. I appreciate it, and I'm glad you called, too. You handed me a magazine here, Living Blues magazine, and it talks about the Jackson blues scene. Yeah. I mean, and I've lived all around the country, and I've been in Mississippi for 20 years, and sometimes I think we take for granted this incredible just talent that we have swirling around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the front of the magazine, it says King Edward, Dorothy Moore, yep. Jesse Robinson, yep. Grady Champion. Yeah. Okay, there. Okay, Eddie Cotton, yeah. J.J. Thames, mm-hmm. Gear Shifter, Jerikas Singleton. Jerikas, yep. a guy who played basketball and now can just shred a guitar. Right. Incredible. I mean, all this shredding? talent right here. Boom, right just within a few miles That's of That's what I'm saying. The blues is not dying around here. And this was the Living Blues magazine from August of last year. And yeah. uh, it was about the Jackson music scene. And one thing I have to say about Jackson 
is when a lot of people think about blues history in Mississippi, they skip Jackson. It's always in the Delta, Clarksdale. Yeah. Well, yes, granted, it's but well, we had the Subway Lounge. We had the Subway Lounge, but we had several recording studios Melico. here yeah. that the guys from the Delta came to to be first recorded in Jackson. So we have a part of music, blues music history here. You can't really see it because Ferry Street, of course, has disappeared, basically. Right. We forgot one very famous musician in Jackson. Rita Brent. Yeah, Rita Brent. Oh, wow. Am I famous? Yeah, you are. Well, I know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, I I absolutely love and have loved being able to play with so many people. Like you mentioned, Grady Champion, I've gotten to play with him. I don't think I've gotten to play with King Edward, but there is a very, very strong musical presence in the city of Jackson where on any given weekend or weekday, I know Jesse Robinson is doing some stuff during the week at Underground 119, Mm -hmm. uh, which is gearing its live music scene toward the blues. You can come to Jackson and find just gems, gem mm-hmm. musicians, yeah. uh, singers, and it's very impressive. And whenever I'm hosting people in Jackson, I do not have a problem. They say, I want to hear the blues. I was like, all right, <laughs> I got plenty of places I can take you, whether it's F. Jones Corner. Uh-huh. And that shift is from midnight to 4 a.m. You know, and, and that's, I consider F. Jones a juke joint. And, uh-huh. um, you know, Peggy, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about juke joints and kind of their origin and, and their importance in, in keeping the blues alive today. Um, there are so many juke joints that don't exist anymore, and I think you could have um, probably termed the Subway Lounge as a juke joint, and mm-hmm. it's gone because it had to be torn down. Certainly, Frank Jones Corner didn't originate as a juke joint, but it's become a fine one. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Ground Zero in Clarksdale, um, but it was not originally a juke joint. It was made up to be one, and it's a good copy. But um, there is the Queen of Hearts, as I said, here in Jackson, and that is a real juke joint. And so how do you identify what makes a juke joint real? Is it kind of grimy? You don't want it to be all white tablecloth. You want it to kind of feel nasty, if you will. I don't say it in a a, a nice way. What what I like (laughs) about the Queen of Hearts is, yes, all those things you just mentioned. (laughs) It's dark. um, It has a particular smell. Mm -hmm. uh, And there's a jukebox in there. Now, if you go to uh, Bluefront, I don't think that they... Well, no, no, wait a minute. I just saw a picture. They do have a juke... A jukebox now. That's kind of a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have one at Ground Zero that I know of. But, yeah, it's the smell. It's the feel. And then you see pictures up on the wall. Usually there are photographs up on the wall of who's played there before. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, oh, my word. And you can look at the counter down at Frank Jones. And those pictures are of people that used to play down there when it was not Frank Jones. Mm-hmm. When it was not, so, it, be sure and look at the, the photographs on the counter. Okay, and um, it's like, good grief! And a lot of those were subway lounge pictures as well. They incorporated into that um, in the countertop, the bar top. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of inexplicable but Sounds part like it has, of it, it is a smell it has to engage all five senses yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. nice dose of nicotine on everything right. and you're good but it is an uninhibited feel yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, it's Absolutely. dark in there for a reason so people can get loose without exactly. judgment exactly <laughs> you can get loose without judgment right yeah. one, one of the things I've enjoyed since I've moved here is you know you'll you'll discover a blues guy and suddenly you it makes sense all the music that you've enjoyed growing up makes sense like for instance mississippi fred mcdowell yeah um i'd listened to bonnie ray for years yeah. i love bonnie ray and then once i 
saw, of course, I saw the documentary, Shake Them Down. Yeah. But, I mean, I realized, boom. I mean, her style is Mississippi Fred McDowell Exactly. Style. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like so many of these really famous people have gone on and taken the style, and you're just like, oh, I see where they got that from now. And, you know, that's how I came to the blues, I, I have to say. I came to it through rock and roll. Yeah. And these people were playing these songs like, oh, my gosh, I love the beat to that. And and then after a while, I found out that's a really old song that a really old guy or a dead guy had originally done. And that's how I came to the blues. That's 12 bar blues. That's you it. Know. <laughs> you know, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Peggy, uh, Blue Monday is actually tonight, right? Yes, it is. Could you talk a little bit about who comes to Blue Monday? I've, I've gotten a chance to play there a couple times. I know. She did play the drums there. Woohoo. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. lo local people playing. Uh, King Edward might play yeah. uh, Fred, uh, Fred T, which is a kind of a new band. Yeah. So could you explain what Blue Monday is to people and who would, would enjoy the event? Um, I can definitely. Happens on Monday night. You Usually every Monday night at Hall and Mal's, if it's not a major holiday. Uh, tonight we got misplaced because they're having some big concert down there. So we're going to Johnny T's tonight on Ferry Street oh. to have Blue Monday. So we're still having it next week back at Hall and Mal's. It's become the, the, the spot to come to uh, for international tourists going from New Orleans to Louisiana, I mean, from New Orleans to Memphis and vice versa. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow, where am I? <laughs> and and so they Google Live Blues, and here you pops up Monday night. That's what we do. We start with a front porch segment, which is either King Edward or Lonnie George or somebody playing at the end of the bar, and we call it front porch because <laughs> we don't go out on the porch. <laughs> and then the band starts at 830, and it's a house band, and most of the people who play in the house band were regular performers at the Subway Lounge. Wow. So we can say that. They were featured in that documentary, Last of the Mississippi Jukes, mm -hmm. and it's just been re-released. So we've um, had some copies of that to sell. But we do the typical one set that the band does, and then we have a sign-up sheet at the front table, and would be artists that want to sing or perform with the bank and sign the sign-up sheet. Once the first set's over, we start calling up people from the list. So that is the thing to do for people from Norway. We've had musicians from Italy, Norway, Japan, China, Australia, uh, Belgium, France, UK, and, and they post all these pictures on Facebook that they played with these real Mississippi musicians. And then we have a lot of um, younger musicians from the area that come in and want to kind of maybe learn some licks. Mm -hmm. And um, then we have a lot of these people that are listed on this magazine that on the front that just drop in. And uh, Dorothy Moore is one of our honorary Blues Society members. And she comes in just to watch sometimes. Eddie Cotton will come in and sit in the back and check things out. Um, Mary J. Blige's band came when they were in town without Mary J. Whoa. But they came and jammed with us, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, we, we, just, we never know who's coming on Monday night. It is an event. Peggy, thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me. And Peggy, what's the name of your website for folks who yeah. are interested? Um, my website for my business, hittheroadentertainment.com or centralmississippibluesociety.com. And spelled out, they're all spelled out. Totally. All righty. Well, Sharita, thank you again for producing a wonderful show. Our own little, our own Wonder Woman, to <laughs> say the least. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking. We will see y'all next Monday. If you should leave me, my baby, I wouldn't know what in the world to do. <laughs> 